1: This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this. Now, through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car, like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit Armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: F1 show. I'm Kevin Clark. We are launching a three-episode journey through Netflix's smash hit, Drive to Survive, based on the Formula One season. I'm joined for the first episode by our pal, Juliet Lipman. Hello, Juliet. Hi,
2: Kevin. I am delighted to be here.
0: You are the first person. There is a a massive ringer F1 hive now, based Mm -hmm. almost entirely on the Netflix show. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have other friends joining us on the next couple of episodes and and we're gonna get to know them and their journey in formula one but you were the first (laughs) person to reach out to me i think it was three years ago and just say this netflix show is amazing
2: it was yeah it was thank you so much first of all thanks for recognizing my bona fides it means a lot to me (laughs) um it was i think the beginning of season two my friend in london recommended it to me so shout Mm. out to her and yeah i've become i've you know i uh I was in L.A. last year for the last race of the season for Abu Dhabi, obviously incredibly dramatic and um, just still still a ride, if you will. And I woke up at 4.30 in the morning for it. Like, I'm, I'm all in now, man. I, uh, I I, love this show. I love this sport. And I, I think season four, Drive to Survive on Netflix, which dropped today, it just is a really fascinating study in how reality shows change as the people get famous, as a show gets famous, and also still an incredible look into a sport that is incredibly complex and truly international. So it's it's really fascinating. There's so much to dig into, and um, I'm really excited to talk about the first four episodes.
0: Yeah, and some housekeeping. So as the season gets closer, obviously it starts uh, a week from Basically, we'll, we'll be in full race mode a week from today. Um, we'll yeah, have more crazy. on actual races and all that stuff, announcements to come. This is just going to be about season four, looking back, understanding what happened last year through the prism of the Netflix show and obviously the, the context around it. I'll start with this. Episode one, we get all of the hallmarks of, of Drive to Survive. They use silence really well. They use mm-hmm. workouts really well. They use one-word <laughs> answers really well. Who were you most excited to see when you fired up Netflix? Who were you most excited to see in episode one?
2: Toto Wolf, uh, mm. obviously. I love Toto. Although I will say, it was jarring to me how much ginger spice was in episode one. Jerry <laughs> Horner. Jerry Horner is uh, wife. the wife of Christian Horner, principal of Red Bull Honda Racing Company. Uh, I think that's the full name. Uh, They're married, and Mm -hmm. she was sparingly in the show, like, in seasons one and two, and, you know, in the absence of Max Verstappen this season and in the television show, certainly not in the 2021 season of Formula One, but they clearly supplemented with someone like Ginger Spice and in other ways as well. And and so, for episode one to have so many pastoral shots Mm -hmm. of Christian and Jerry in Oxfordshire... I was just sort of like, okay, this is, this is telling me a lot about what yes. to expect this season. But I was most excited about Toto. I love Toto. He's um, my favorite person in Formula One. And I, I was just like very excited about how they really squarely made this a Toto versus Christian season.
0: I don't want to give any spoilers away. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There's a lot of Toto and Christian on boats content as well in <laughs> Monaco.
2: The boat content was incredible. I Yeah. One of the things I love about Formula One is like the excess and the luxury. And they also really lean into that this season by really highlighting Monaco in a way they haven't before.
0: Also, there's an amazing moment where Ricardo is really upset at himself and he gets, <laughs> he has to get on a boat while stewing. <laughs> he has
2: to get on a boat to he leave. Has to, he
0: has like his little bag and he gets on a boat. I and mean, that is, that's Formula One to me. And that's why, <laughs> and this is something I, I've, I've written a column about this, all that stuff. I've said this before, but you can enter Formula One at any Level and enjoy it. So, if you're a gearhead, I think in England they call them petrol heads. If you're a gearhead, you can go. Over, you can be like, I want to do rear wing studies. I want to see wind tunnel reports. I want to see the nose. I, I want to see all that stuff, right? Like you can get really into that stuff. There's the middle tier, which I think myself, Ryan Rossillo, a couple other people with the ringer are, are in. Juliet, I think you're you're in this as well. And then there's the baseline, which is this is just a travel show. Right. Like this is just <laughs> yeah. guys who look cool, who you want to be with, who uh, y- you want to be in that boat and you're seeing them go over the waves in Monaco like that. That to me, the worst case scenario is you throw on Formula One and they're in a place that looks nice and you just hang out for two hours.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first started watching the show without knowing much about the sport, and I think this is one of the reasons the popularity in the U.S. has exploded is I was like, this is an incredible TV show. It's like really, really well made it looks beautiful. They get really good access, and it kind of it combines like several excellent shows. It has the cattiness of The Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. It has the palace intrigue of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> it has the it has the access and more of Hard Knocks, and it yeah, has just like way way more. Although I think less this season, which we can talk about. Um, we will. <laughs> uh, and it has like the net Netflix Shine. We talked about this. Um, with Love is Blind on the Ringer Reality TV podcast as well. But one thing that's that's really interesting to me about Netflix and just as a network, how they're cultivating like what their unscripted brand is, is their shows have a real look to them. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. this looks the same as kinetic Content's Love is Blind, but it does have like this shininess and this really high-end feel that other reality shows and other docu-series don't necessarily. And I, I also think that contributes to it because Formula One is such a high-end endeavor in, in every way.
0: I I completely agree. I'm going to make a big call here. Okay, Red Bull won the title last year. Christian Horner yeah. topped Toto Wolff. I like watching Christian Horner on this show now that I'm that more than I like watching Toto Wolff.
2: I think a lot of people agree with you. I, think I didn't used I think
0: to. It- I didn't used to. I used to find him <laughs> off-putting. I used to find him a little a little smarmy, and I listen. Mm-hmm. I can dive into the smarmy end of the pool. I get it, but I. I he
2: lands the most bars. He understands.
0: Sure. We talked about this offline. There's almost a Kardashian level understanding of how to say the right thing into the camera. So in episode mm-hmm. one, Horner says of Wolf, he inherited something that was already well-oiled. Says he's more interested in finance than the actual competition. Like right. he and knows he's never, he's never how to have this. never had to build this, anything. Never had to build anything. He knows how to make this pop off. And then the Netflix cameras run to Toto who then gives a dignified response and just, oh, it's okay. You know, just kind of laughs it off. And when you know that's happening before everything that's about to happen during the season, it just sets up the drama. I, I don't know if Christian Horner is the best team principal in the history of, in, in, you know right now in, in, in modern F1, but he certainly is the best Drive to Survive cast member by a wide margin. Yes.
2: Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree. Also, he has positioned himself and Jerry really interestingly, where, like, (laughs) he's working on her brand. Like, obviously, Christian recognized the power of this show because when it started, Daniel Ricardo was with Red Bull and he was, he instantly became the star of the show. And I think he's, like, most American fans' favorite driver now because he is so, Daniel is so charming and really gets, like, how to use this television show for his own marketing. And marketing is a huge part of the sport, you know? So that is, like, valid to his career.
0: They're owned by an energy drink who put money into it for marketing. This whole thing is marketing. It's marketing (laughs) all the way down.
2: Nora Ephron said everything is copy. Christian Horner says everything is marketing. (laughs) Everything Um, is marketing. Anyway, Christian really gets it. And it's interesting this season, you know, so Max um, said during the 2021 F1 season that he wouldn't be participating in the show because he feels it twists the truth of the matter. And that's a really common complaint from anyone who appears on reality TV. Um, you know, there's a lot that we could parse that, but I don't really think it's particularly worthwhile. You can Mm -hmm. agree or disagree. Just watch the show. Um, but Christian leans into that and he presents his wife, Jerry, as like his partner in this endeavor in this, this season and saying like, you know, his wife really gets it. She's also been in like really high pressure situations, um, which is true. I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate a pop star. I, I, I love, I love a pop star, but it's also, and I respect the craft, but it's also, not the same thing. And I just thought that wow. was like pr- pretty amazing. And, you know, as part of this Toto versus Christian, um, setup, I I was thinking of a different word that has escaped me, but anyway, in this Christian versus Toto, um, construct of the show, mm-hmm. they also introduced Susie Wolf, who is yes. Christian's wife. And I will say one of my complaints former is I driver, don't- Former
0: driver, former race car driver. Form,
2: Former driver and team executive, she mm-hmm. you know she under herself is like is a force within, uh, motor racing. And I I resented that Susie was sort of introduced more as Toto's wife and like the mother of his of one of his children than as the like the really accomplished driver mm-hmm. and auto sport professional that she is. So that, so that that is one of my first complaints. But I also at the same time was glad to see Susie. On the show. And one difference, I guess, is worth noting is that Susie did do some sit-down interviews. Like, she spoke for the camera. Whereas Mm -hmm. Jerry is much more, um, like, a secondary character who appears alongside Red Bull.
0: So, when Christian and Jerry are riding a horse at one point, (laughs) uh, she says, Archie, whose name of the horse, is like a Botas. And Christian says, I'm not riding a Botas. Which, again... (laughs) shows an unbelievable familiarity with what sells on reality TV show. Also, the other part like that is when Christian asks his children who wished for a guinea pig when they blew away a dandelion why they didn't (laughs) wish for Max Verstappen to win a World Drivers' Championship. His children are like four. Yeah, they're they're quite young. I'm not sure that they were going to say, I would love a WDC and a Constructors' Championship for the good guys
2: um Let's, who are you so you were most excited to see christian was there any like second like who's your favorite driver you know i do think it's really relevant that we're talking so much about the principles but i'm yeah. curious like who are your favorite drivers on the show daniel's off the table daniel's everyone's favorite television character as far as drivers go
0: yeah i mean i, I actually am interested the ferrari guys are really interesting to me um i think we're gonna get to them in a second yes um i think that I think Lando to me is a character that I find endlessly fascinating. We'll also get to him um, because obviously they have, they have a basically a McLaren episode, um, but, and then the Ferrari guys dovetail with that. But I, I, I think that there's a, a generation of, of young guys who I just want to see how their career develops. And I put George Russell in this boat as well. Like, I don't know, you know, we talk so much in, in American football about the young quarterbacks and how much depth there is. And you only need a couple of things to go your way, and all of a sudden you're rising to uh, to the top of a group that's maybe six or seven deep, and I kind of feel mm-hmm. like the young drivers are, are are like that for me as well. Um, whether that's Leclerc, whether that's George Russell, um, whether that's Lando, you know, if they get a car, all of a sudden they're they're going to be considered the second, third best, fourth best driver on the grid. Um, it's going to be hard to get in the Lewis Max tier, but I think that we know what they're competing for, which is probably the third best driver on the grid. And if something crazy happens, it'd be, it'd be the second. So I like that entire generation of young guys, and also I would say kind of like Christian Horner, they understand how to play to the cameras as well and that's why this show works.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And also, you know, as we said, it's about marketing so there's more for them to gain. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Max just signed a new contract uh, reported to be worth $50 million a year. So, like, he's fine. He doesn't need a ton of marketing. Whereas, like, I really enjoy Pierre Gasly on this show. Um, mm. uh, we haven't gotten a ton of him but, like, in previous seasons when he's been on, I really enjoy it and I think he just provides a really good soundbite. There is a Yuki episode later on in the season, and I think his quotes in it are, are really funny. Um so I I like really enjoy Gasly, but for some reason I just let's can we get into the Ferrari guys? Because I Yeah.
0: Okay. So episode yeah. Episode two is about McLaren. Yes. But it it, it involves obviously Ferrari, because Carlos Sainz went from McLaren to Ferrari. Um, maybe the funniest thing I saw. In the first four episodes, which is what we're talking about today, I guess we should say that we're talking about the first four episodes today. Then <laughs> we 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 cover the the last ones in the next two. But in the first four episodes that we're talking about today, Lando signs a contract extension, and Eclair and 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 signs are in a trailer, and they're trying to find out the terms. And Charles is like, hey find out, you know, text text Lando and just find out like what what's going on. And Science says something like, well, and he gives him like dictates what to say. And and Science goes, Well, I was gonna say something like congrats first. Mm. Which is just such a great view, so funny. entry into what how these guys view like The LeCov's like just find out the money, find out the years, whatever. And Science is just like, I'm actually just gonna be like, hey buddy, good job. Congrats on the <laughs> extension.
2: Science is like, I'm gonna take the human approach. Yeah. Um that was so funny. I'm so, going to try.
0: I'm going to. is trying to pass the Turing test there. That's what he was trying to do. Me? Just, he was trying to uh, pass the Alan Turing test. Are you familiar with oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry. <laughs> I thought you said something in Italian. It was like a, Ferrer, a Ferrari thing. And I was like, what? Um, that moment was so funny for a couple of reasons. To me, first of all, I'm just like really enamored of Charles Leclerc. I have been for a while. It's mostly just because he grew up in Monaco, and Monaco is such a strange place to be from. It's such mm-hmm. a tiny place. Um, it's no taxes. Like, it's a tax haven, uh, basically. It's a beautiful tax haven on on the Mediterranean Sea that's also the spiritual and financial home of Formula One. So <laughs> there's like a lot going on there that I, I really enjoy. But he, seeing his personality a little bit more as a result of being able to play off signs was really fascinating to me. There was, right before they're crafting the text to Lando, they're driving around in a Ferrari in Monaco. And I was just like, okay, so that moment to me was really important in terms of the TV show. And this episode, I thought, was sort of both the value and the problem of, mm-hmm. of Drive to Survive because there was two clear scenes that were set up for the show. One was them drive was sign- signs in LeClaire driving around Monaco, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and the other was Lando playing golf with his friend. And both of those scenes were exposition. They're, like, very classic storytelling scenes to give you more um, insight into who these people are and, like, what's to come in the episode. Sure. And that, to me, indicated a a real change in how the show uh, comes together and, like, what the drivers and the principals expect when they're on camera. And so... I I thought those two scenes were really pivotal in understanding the place of F1 in the at least American consciousness and, like, people who are new to the show. But at the same time, these guys are not good at being on TV yet. Like, they are still themselves. Like, they're not media trained in the same way. I I have to say, I find um, the multilingual capabilities of these drivers, like, totally incredible. Like, Mm -hmm. just to see signs, like, navigating idiom. Like, I know this is, like, a really dumb comment because it's just Americans who don't speak a lot of languages, but I still found it, like, really really amazing because it's sports so international to be able to communicate that way. was like pretty impressive to me, but those two scenes were so funny and so important. Lando playing golf and Leclerc and signs like essentially bonding in Monaco. I don't, I don't really know what the point of it was other than for the TV show it was so fascinating because it, I like all of them more as a result, but I also know that like, these are the scenes that are being shot to kind of like manipulate me as a viewer. So it's, it's really fascinating.
0: You completely overlooked Zach Brown laboring around a hockey rink.
2: <laughs> Sorry, forgot about that.
0: <laughs> that just An seemed adult to me hockey league.
2: That just seemed to be more like this is what Zach Brown does in his free time, and he like allowed the cameras to come with him this this time. Like that didn't seem set up to me. Allowed. Zach Brown, Zach Bra- yeah, Zach Brown was like, "Please come watch me play hockey." I forgot about that. <laughs> What? Do, where do you think Zach Brown, the principal of McLaren, how does he stack up against the other principals for you? Like okay. he gets a lot of screen time. Yeah, but he's so, very different type. He's first of all American.
0: Yeah. So I have a, a a different relationship with Zach Brown because, and nobody remembers this, Amazon did this show just for McLaren a year before Netflix started theirs. I think it was called Grand Prix Driver and it was it was zach brown taking over mclaren and his frustration with honda and like at one point the engine wouldn't even start in the cars that they delivered like it was really bad and it was an awesome show it was an awesome show and it it kind of uh was was what was to come in this and so i have an extra year of zach brown under my belt and i also one time sat near him uh when he was having a business meeting at the Super Bowl, and I was next to him, and I tried to say wow. something, and just totally froze up.
2: Which Super Bowl was it? Atlanta. Cool.
0: We were having concurrent business meetings at the Super Bowl, and he was right next to me. And it was before any of this, so I was like, "Whose
2: whose meeting do you think was more important? Yours or Zach Brown's?"
0: Mine. I know who he was meeting with. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, Kevin. So, uh, so the um, I, I I like Zach Brown a lot. I just think you need a. You need like an alpha personality in this. Like one thing that I think, and I don't want to like obviously Ferrari's doing their own thing. I wish that the Ferrari team principal, like he's he's subtitled, he's speaking Italian the entire time. Mm-hmm. He can't get the in the alpha discussion because he's just not mic'd up a lot. Um, he's doing the the subtitle thing. So it's a little bit different in that. Like Horner and Wolf just know how to make these really pointed comments and know how to get their their point across. Zach Brown can't do that because Zach Brown's not winning races, he's not competing. Um I'm trying I mean Gunther is endless- way more entertaining than Zach Brown. Um it's hard for Zach to get in the mix with those guys. So I understand why he's a little more um I don't know, diplomatic the wrong word, but he just takes a different approach to it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I you know, the NFL piece I think is interesting cuz you know, in American sports, GMs have varying level of fame and As a result, and like I will say as like a kind of more casual NFL fan or much more casual NFL fan, a lot of what I know about certain um, front office personnel will be from Hard Knocks or from listening to Ringer podcast. But like I it's it's very much more limited, whereas, you know, with with Drive to Survive Success, the team principals have become much more famous to a certain set of fans than some of the drivers like we know way more. In general about mm-hmm. zach brown christian horner Toto wolf gunther who is incredible then like yuki Sonoda or nicholas latifi yeah. like if nicholas latifi hadn't been involved in like you know one of the most controversial race endings in the history of all sports i don't think we'd be talking about him that much at this moment um and so like you know based on on your your experience with the nfl and just like taking in sports and i'm curious like what you think it means for this sport for the principals to be so much more famous than some of its drivers
0: Great question. So I've gone back and forth on this because part of this is NFL players, there's less access to them over the past couple of years because of COVID. And I understand that's pretty low on a list of, of worldwide concerns. But you're getting more of the coach's perspective than the player's perspective. And that's certainly true in college football, and and I'm sure most listeners do not know this, but basically there's almost no access, and certainly almost almost none uh, when it comes to one-on-one time with with players in college. Um, it's all coaches, it's some coordinators, it's whatever, it's athletic directors, whatever. But you're never really getting the player perspective. And I don't, I understand the the privacy part of it. Um, I understand some players just don't want to do it. I mean, we've heard you know the last couple of years, players just you know anxiety, whatever it is, they don't want to do it. I that that part I am in complete agreement with and I understand it and every every player and, and athlete is 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 comfortable doing what they want to do. If Max Verstappen thinks that they they drum up drama and he doesn't want the the hassle, all good. But what ends up happening is that the coaches or the GMs or in this case the team principal set the agenda. They set the narrative. And you can't get your viewpoint out there. Right now, when I think about McLaren, I think about what Lando said. I think about what Daniel said and I think about what Zach said and I put them all together. But if next year, Christian, knowing that Max has no say in this show, wants to make it more about himself, whatever it is. I mean, unless, there was a lot of Max in the show just mic'd up. You know, I, I, was, I was re-watching this sure. morning and, and, and Christian was joking around with Max about a story where I guess Ross Braun and told a story about how Joseph first stopped and Max's dad took him to the airport and drove so fast he made him stop the car, right? There's little moments like that but there, but Max's side of the story doesn't get out, and as Max continues in this sport, being aggressive, taking those lines, uh, not you know he's he's in I'm not going to make friends mode. Maybe he wants to get his side of the story out. He, I know he has weekly press conference, all that stuff, but this is an entree point for so many people that I I'm good with the team principles, but from a participant standpoint, from a driver standpoint, I would just like to be on record in this show having my side out there. That's that that's my take on on maybe the future of this show if it becomes more team principled.
2: Uh-huh. And and you know, the McLaren episode is also really useful, you know, abject lesson in this because I thought the biggest revelation through four episodes was the really large schism between Lando and Daniel. Yes. And that, you know, that was like a, a real surprise to me. I um I went back and I googled like what was the coverage like of their relationship during last season of of formula one and tension was reported for sure. But the extent to which Lando, I would say kind of like, it's more than just like blanking Daniel, but like very much does not want, not want to have a relationship with him and almost like acts like he's not in the
0: room when he's there. And clarified. And he clarified that they do not have similar personalities.
2: Yeah, like Lando like kind of hates Daniel, and I think Daniel's just a vibes guy who's like, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna get on my boat and leave leave the Monaco Grand Prix where I did really badly. Um, but Daniel had a bad season last season; like it was a real disappointment. He definitely contributed to McLaren coming in. F- I mean, it's you know, it's not it's not rocket science that he contributed to McLaren coming in fourth behind Ferrari. Uh, Lando had a great season, but this show allows for some redemption for Daniel, like. And obviously, McLaren and Zach Brown are happy to facilitate that. Like, I think it benefits them for Daniel to remain a star. So, this episode, I I think, really proves your point. Like, you can have the principals um, be the main talking heads, but you need the drivers to participate to really give give shape to um, what's what's happening in the sport behind the scenes. I I also think this episode is like this. We're talking about number two, the McLaren, the first McLaren episode it's kind of like the case for why Max should participate. And that's mm-hmm. because this uncovered a story that was not really part of the narrative last mm-hmm. year. Like, I I was suspect that the Will Buxtons and the Jenny Gows of the world knew about this tension and it probably was really apparent to anyone and, in the paddock, but to to the broader fan base, we we didn't really know the extent of it. And I, I, thought, I was like, this is really bad for Lando's brand. Like, people love Lando and think he's like a nice, sweet, young kid like up-and-comer, but he's... He's vicious, man. And he is not friendly. I'm like, I'm out on Lando.
0: Out, out on Lando. Yeah,
2: I'm out, man. I mean, I I respect greatness. I I respect that he's, you know, wants to just be the best driver and beat his teammate. But I don't know. He's not, he's not fun. I don't like this kind of personality. No, thanks.
1: This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered.
0: Okay, I'm going to throw out a question for you. And it's a big question. Okay. Knowing what we all know about Daniel Rick after leaving Red Bull, should he have just stayed and been been Max's Robin? I know he didn't like it. Remember when he left, Christian said, we think he's running from a fight. He knew Max was about to start being one of the best drivers in the world, one of the two best drivers in the world, actually going head-to-head with Hamilton. Danny didn't have that in him. Would it have been best for him to just say, you know what? I'm a great number two. I want to be really famous. I enjoy being on a ranch in Australia and having Netflix cameras in tow. That's kind of what I'm doing now, dressing up like Matthew McConaughey when he's in Texas, all that stuff. He could still do all that stuff, but he's helping be in the mix for Constructors Championships. Should he have stayed at Red Bull knowing what we've seen about him in the last couple of years of this show?
2: You know, the two years with Renault were were such a waste. Like, so little came of it. And... (laughs) And so I think the answer is yes to have just avoided the Renault uh, period essentially. Like if he had gone straight to McLaren, maybe it'd be different. But that question's so hard to answer, having watched last season, because Sergio Perez was such an incredible number two, and you know Max but he could have been that. Ch-
0: Daniel's a better driver so. than Sergio Perez.
2: I, oh I know I know he is. But, 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 he but you're saying he wouldn't
0: have taken that role.
2: Yeah, does he? Yeah, would he have been comfortable role. in that role? Like Botas obviously did that very begrudgingly for the, his last two seasons with Mercedes and was pissed about
0: it. And um, I would read Instagram comments and cry.
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> way to be a,
0: way to be on the team, bud. I don't,
2: I don't think that Daniel could have been in that role. Like Perez, you see it in this season. He's so happy to be in a good car. It's his first time after being in the sport for like a decade, and this is you know he's like so happy to be out of the Haas and into the Red Bull. So he'll he'll take it right, like. He was the perfect number two for Max this past season, and I have a hard time seeing someone who had been in like one of the top cars accepting that role. Like, I think you really needed someone who was just so delighted to have found a place. Um, and you know, credit to Christian, that was a great, a great team match.
0: One thing I realized in watching this, actually, I think in episode, I think it was episode three, all Christian cares about is people holding up Mercedes to the point that there was a super cut. Of him saying hi, Gunther, which is Gunther Steiner, the hosting principal, and he said, "Yeah, why don't you hold up Mercedes today?" And then he saw Pierre Gasly and was like, "Don't, don't forget to hold up the Mercedes." Like this is all he cares about. So Sergio the, Perez yeah. holding up the Mercedes is it's all he wants. So I guess the question is, would Daniel Rick have taken a lesser role, the hold the Mercedes role, and and been and and taken that level of of, of competition, even though you know you're not going to be in the mix for a WDC?
2: I think no. I just. Maybe maybe I'm naive, but I just think everything we know about his personality from the last few years and how he's embraced this show um, leaves me to believe he's just not looking to be a number two.
0: He'd still be available to do podcasts, (laughs) which he he and Chris Ryan are the two (laughs) most common podcasters in America.
2: That's a a great that's a great point. I loved when Christian was talking to Gasly. I think I just love Gasly. I don't know why. He's great TV to me. We so. had the Redemption
0: I, arc in one of the seasons.
2: <laughs> yeah, in season three. It was a great episode. Um, and He really stuck it to Christian. But, you know, the, I, I think uh, the mention of the Haas and the, and the Gunther Steiner of it all, I'd love mm-hmm. to talk about episode four, which I thought when I watched it initially, I'll just be honest, was before um the war in Ukraine had begun had begun yeah. and and while Mazapan was still a part of Haas. And here we are today. Um, Muhlenberg is back and Mazapan's out and Urukali is out and Russia, the Sochi's Grand Prix is out. And I just think that episode, I'm curious as to see the reaction is going to be like, mm-hmm. but I think to a lot of people it's going to land in a really um significant way because I think the the tone of it kind of foreshadowed what ended up happening with, with Mazapan and, and Earl Collie um, you know, breaking up with Haas, Haas
0: ending their relationships. Everyone thought Mazepin was a dickhead. Mm-hmm. And then we got an hour of Mazepin being a dickhead.
2: Absolute dickhead. Yeah. And and I don't know. It's it's sort of like it's the flip side of the McLaren episode where this like confirms everything you had heard. Uh, but but more. And then I think the context of uh, you know, Haas severing ties with his family is just like it's kind of like a a remarkable insight into something that's all still playing out in real time so that's that's another like real value of documentary in general it's like when when you kind of when you get that that context around something you're also seeing something in the news it's it's pretty remarkable so i'm i'm that's the episode that i'm most curious to see what the fan reaction is going to be like whereas i i think um we were all really looking forward to how this would replay the Lewis versus Max duel and leading up to the travesty that was Abu Dhabi. Um, but I think like the show is at its best when it's re- revealing things that we were not able to be aware of in real time. So I- I'm, ex- I'm just
0: excited about all that. Okay. I have a couple of things. Not surprisingly, okay. I have a couple of things on this episode. Number one, the unintentionally funniest thing in this entire show <laughs> was when he Mazepin said, um, Dimitri Mazepin has F1 team and then does the clicker <laughs> thing and they say can you say it in Russian and he said yes and then he but there was no Russian there was no words to be translated so he just said the same thing over again but in a Russian accent it was really weird <laughs> it was
2: so fun it was so funny I loved that too it was really weird <laughs> but also hilarious
0: <laughs> oh god that was good all right so dad Mazepin Mr. Mazepin mm-hmm. first of all at one point he asked Gunther are we on radar which I didn't understand what he was saying but he meant like are we being recorded which is on radar is a really interesting thing for for people to say uh russian oligarchs um (laughs) especially because
2: like right now i like follow several accounts on twitter that uh track using radar where uh oligarch uh, planes are landing okay and so you know you you wonder is that like um an interesting translation, like a literal translation to something in Russian, or is that like actually like t- tipping towards something more more sinister about uh, the life of an oligarch?
0: Yeah, that was, I, I'm leaning towards the latter on that one that he has to I, ask, are we I on radar quite a bit?
2: Yes, I don't know, but that, that seems likely.
0: Okay, so Mazabin was blaming the car for the whole season. He kept saying, mm-hmm. why am I so much slower than my teammate? Which, by the way, Mick Schumacher, not even that good. Okay? Like, no. Not that good. So if you're getting your ass kicked by him, he's spinning out. I think he had, I mean, he had a lot of spins on the season. He finished.
2: Mick Schumacher, this this team is, once again, everything is marketing. This team is in financial dire straits. And I think that's one of the reasons why for 2022, splitting from Earl Colley is such a big deal, because We're they really money. need the money. And Mick Schumacher... Gunther says it. They they signed him because of his father, because of the attention he brings. It's not because he's a particularly good driver. And also, by the way, Netflix is in the Schumacher business because there's a Michael Schumacher documentary on, on,
0: uh, on Netflix as well. I it quite, warm, I, Hague-
2: I was going to call it a hagiography. Um, I found it boring, but that's okay.
0: Do you, do you see that Lewis Hamilton has uh, inked a deal with the, with Apple for Apple. a documentary?
2: I did, yes. I'm I'm looking forward to that. The th- reason this show is good is because the the... The drivers uh, are not producers on it, but we'll see how it goes. I believe in Lewis. We will see
0: how it goes. So Gunther at one point, so Mazepin is a complete dickhead on the radio, which is not a surprise. What was amazing to me, even his advisor, even his dad, even his family, there's a a coffee or kitchen table conversation at one point. It's like the Twilight Zone episode where a kid controls everything with his mind and everybody's scared of saying anything to him. Like Mm -hmm. people were afraid to tell him that anything was his fault. And everything clicks from there. Everything makes sense when you see this. They were terrified of being like, well, I don't know, man. I I don't know what to tell you. And then dad, Mr. Mazepin, oligarch Mazepin, um, says that they're going to pull out if they don't switch the cars or they don't make the second car better. It was was finger pointing at the highest level. It was entitlement. Um, As I said, Gunther said, that's why people hate you on the radio because he was such a dickhead to everybody. I I just, I could not believe, however, so so there's something just, if there's new fans or anything, something called a pay driver, which is pretty common in Formula One, which is essentially you have investors, they don't always have to be a family member, could also be some sponsors if you're from a certain country or whatever, and you bring certain investment with you. But if you bring investment with you to the point that you are essentially paying for your seat and funding your team, you are a pay driver. Mazepin is, is a pay driver. Mazepin,
2: Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll. Like
0: that. But a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people start out as pay drivers and then become not pay drivers. Um, but I, the worst case scenario for a pay driver is what you see with Haas last year, where the dad wants to pull out. Even the Strolls, and the Strolls, you know, eventually founded their own team. But when they were with Williams, there was in in in, in season two, I think. Um, yeah. There was some some push and pull between Claire Williams and the Stroll family, but it was nothing like this. It was way more passive aggressive. It they weren't it wasn't anything like it. And it was this, much it was much more British is what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Canadian and Canadian. Yeah. Um this is <laughs> the a, Commonwealth. this was this I'm not saying Haas was going to, you know, win Formula F 1.5 if, if they didn't have Mazepin breathing down the neck, but what I am saying is this having the Mazepin family anywhere near your team was an absolute nightmare.
2: Yeah, that, absolutely. I thought that Gunther handled it really well. I thought that I love Gunther. I think that even the Toto is like my favorite principal. I, I feel like if I was starting a business, I don't even know if it would be Formula One. I would be. I would want Gunther involved. It just definitely would if,
0: not be. What what business would you have Gunther run?
2: Um, it's a great question. I don't know. Maybe like a drivers academy. I don't know. I just love
0: Gunther. He's great. Well, I thought you meant <laughs> just like a different, like a coffee shop or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Gunther, yeah, he seems like he'd be a great, like, manager of, like, a, I don't know, of, like, your coffee shop chain or something. Like, he could run Hungry Ghost here in Brooklyn. Um,
0: Something like that. Hungry Uh, Ghost. I've not been to Hungry Ghost.
2: Oh, my God. There's so many. There's a bunch of coffee shops. Anyway. What? um, I don't know what you're doing. Don't we live, like, ten minutes apart?
0: Yes, it's quite and close. Then,
2: and let's let's move on. It's my I have fault. no
0: idea how you know this, this chain. I've never seen these chains. I guess but maybe you, might, I just you stay, have, I just stay out of chains.
2: I guess it's it's a local, local chain. What whatever. Um, I thought that Gunther handled it really well when he was like, he can look at the car. He can he can check it out. There's he won't find anything wrong. Like I, I don't I don't know. Like they just they must have they must be relieved to not be dealing with these decks anymore going forward. I mean, it's bad for the business. are going to go sure. out of business.
0: Would yeah. you rather go out of business or deal with the Mosbain family?
2: I think go out of business, especially when it comes to the uh, morality of an unjust war. So mm-hmm. I think there's not really a big question here.
0: If you could switch lives with anybody in this show, who would it be? Wow, 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 wow.
2: Um, I think it's probably wow. I was going to say Daniel Ricardo, but I'm not really. I think it's Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. I love Monaco, and to be Monégasque is incredible. Um, also, he's a good driver on a solid team. He seems like he's got a nice life. I follow him on Instagram. Seems like he's got a nice girlfriend. I guess if I'm going for a driver, it'd be Charles Leclerc. Or I'm just going for a human. It'd probably be Susie Wolf. She's mm. an accomplished woman in her own right, and she's married to a very a hot total man.
0: Wolf.
2: Yeah. So it's probably it's it's Susie. It's probably Susie. You know, that's a great question. What about you?
0: I think horner has got it pretty well. He's living out in Oxfordshire. He's clay shooting. He's got a nice run. He's probably not going to win the title this year because of just how the cars have changed and how much commitment they had to this year's car versus last year. But he's he's got he's got it pretty much figured out.
2: All all roads lead back to Toto versus Christian, which makes me also want to ask you through the four episodes, including covering a little bit of Monza. How do you how how did the portrayal of Lewis versus Max strike you and like what has surprised you about how it's been depicted so far?
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting and you see the foreshadowing. I thought it was interesting um, when they had their first accident and the Mercedes team was huddling and one of the guys who's not Toto, I don't know all the, I don't know the names of the, of his deputies mm-hmm. said, you know, this was the right lesson for Max to learn because everybody backs out from Max and Lewis won't. And I think that was the first piece of evidence. And you had drivers. I think and Palmer said this on the BBC a couple of times. But what ended up happening was for the first time in a long time, it was two drivers near the front and they would both rather crash than give an inch. And that is why the drama was so amazing. That's why the last lap of the season was so amazing is because both of these guys were wired in a way that were just like, I'm not backing out. I'm not going to do it. To the point, to probably to the detriment of their cars um, in the long haul, but for, definitely for, for, and, per,
2: and almost their lives.
0: <laughs> and almost their lives, yes, certainly. And it was that's why you know, like I, I told the story on Rosillo, but like I don't know how it happened. But when when they were racing for the end of the season, I I was just I just went to the floor. Like I was just on the floor. I was on my couch, and then it got so crazy that like I was on my knees on the floor near the TV, and I'm just like I don't know why my body did this, but I'm just like completely enraptured by the drama of it all and I don't really ever do that. I don't the, don't do that at the Super Bowl. I don't do that at anybody. Like this was pure racing, it was pure drama and it's the personalities, it's how they're wired and I think the show does a nice job even without a ton of involvement from both of those guys yeah. um to set the stage for episodes 9 and 10 which are going to be obviously those that c- cover that that kind of drama.
2: Yeah. I think this the season of the show. You know, w- they use Will Buxton to set up how clearly Red Bull um, might have it this season. Like his his quotes in episode one really set the stage for like, oh Mercedes is actually in trouble this year based on the cars and based on preseason testing. Mm-hmm. I which I also think dovetails. It's like a nice way for new new um, fans of the show to like understand how to approach the season. Like, oh, this mm-hmm. is what you should pay attention to in preseason testing and, like, why it matters and stuff like that. So I think that... Episode serves, like, one dull- of
0: every season does a great job at setting the stage for the casual fan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, here are the things that matter. And and that's a great way of putting it. Um, I was just surprised that the crashes themselves didn't get more attention, and, you know, maybe they'll come back to it. But, you know, Max's car Max goes over to head... Max gets really hurt, and and Monza, Max gets really hurt. Lewis doesn't check on him, and also, uh, Max drives over Lewis's head. And if they hadn't introduced the halo a few years ago, like Lewis would have, could have been paralyzed or dead, or you know something much, or something just really horrible. They don't check on each other. But that was like terrifying. That's like up there with the Roman Grosjean fire crash. Like that was a huge moment, and I I do think that like. They this show seems to downplay some of these moments a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because it probably would necessarily require taking sides, and like definitely the way that I tell tell the story is like from the Lewis perspective because I'm a, I'm Team Lewis. Um But I just was surprised that there wasn't more about like the sort of like really big repercussions because the the crash that they did hone in on I think in episode three. Was one of the more minor crashes. Uh, that is when Lu- that, that's when Max got hurt. I think that's what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up being fine, thank goodness. But I just I think they like down- downplay it a little bit. But I'm curious to see how it shapes out at the end.
0: If you could have a bottle episode of Drive to Survive and it could just be mm-hmm. focused on like one thing, what would it be? Mm-hmm.
2: Huh. Well, um, a bottle episode of Drive to Survive. I'm trying to think of other episodes that were kind of like that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I like the Gasly episode in season yeah. three so much. Um, I think, like at this point, I would have wanted like a Latifi episode, like yeah. just straight up. What's I it agree. like to be Nicholas L- Latifi? Um, if you didn't, if you didn't you watch after Latifi. after
0: after the last race, yeah,
2: yeah. Latifi crashed, um, which gave way to the restart that's become so controversial in Abu Dhabi and led to Max winning. So I think like we need um, the Latifi experience. So so probably that. Um, but I, I also wish that there was a I mean the, the teams will never allow this, but I wish there was a little bit more focus on like a bono character, like the guys that you yeah. hear on the race broadcast that are talking to Lewis or, you know, talking to Max, whomever. Like what what is their week to week like? Um, this past season in the condensed schedule as a result of COVID, there was a lot of talk about how like doing triple headers three weeks in a row was really hard for the mechanics. And I think it'd be interesting to get a little bit more of a view into what it's like in between races for different teams. And I would do it like through the prism of someone like Bono,
0: who's like very focused on the cars. By the way, the other thing that they, they set the stage for in the first four episodes is the working of Michael Massey, yes. the race director. <laughs> like they were working the refs very, very, very early. Um, we all remember the famous. I sent you an email. Radio transmission from Toto. Yeah. Um, but we got to see. We got to see a little more of that, and I think that that was important. Obviously, if you're if you're setting it up, I I do think I I do wonder because Netflix is builds the drama no matter what. I feel like if you're just coming into this cold, like if my wife were to watch this, not knowing what happened last year, I feel like they wouldn't get. Like, how crazy last year was.
2: No, definitely not. You would... I mean, McLaren getting two episodes is because Daniel is really compelling television. It's not because they deserved it. Like, the McLaren versus Ferrari fight was, like, kind of entertaining, but it's very... This show does not come close to capturing the tension between Max and Lewis. You know, I think in the back half of the season it does a little bit more, but... The week in, week out, like vicious fighting between Max and Lewis was so and so so tense and compelling and so interesting And the show. It 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 allows the other characters of Formula One to take up some to take up more space than they probably deserve based only on racing narratives. And that's Max's problem with the show, right? It's, it's like <laughs> it's not only that he felt like maybe his own story wouldn't be told the way that he saw fit, but because of how they dedicate time, it just doesn't tell the whole story. And mm-hmm. it benefits someone like Yuki Sonoda, benefits George Russell, it benefits Daniel Ricciardo, and it doesn't benefit Max or Lewis.
0: Anything else, Juliet? Um, I don't think so.
2: This is a great, this is just a great television program, and I'm it's really wonderful. excited for the new season. It's and, just and a great show. And
0: now Netflix is going to make it on <laughs> golf, they're going to make it on
2: tennis. Tennis? Tennis, I, I'm more looking forward to than golf.
0: What's your familiarity with like golfers?
2: Very low. It's yeah. just like whatever I know from house, basically.
0: whatever he mentions um okay it's
2: very it's very low i i do like the i mean i think both of those sports the international aspect of of drive to survive will be replicated obviously with both golf and tennis which i think Mm -hmm. is really important um you know there's not the same level of like of uh conflict in the sport inherently
0: well because there's no teammates
2: and there's no crashing like People watch hockey for fights, right? Like, uh, in with golf, no one's like. There's no contact except with the with the club and the ball, and like, who cares? <laughs>
0: um. Well, it's, it, there are more dickheads, I would say, in golf because it's just more that's, people, and it's just a lot. That's of, like, fair. Uh, I know guys I grew up with who are just you know whatever. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to go down the 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 golf the dickhead golfer rabbit hole there. Um. I think the difference is that because you have someone who's in the same car as you. You are, if you're a little bit worse, kind of like Mazepin, you have a built in insecurity, which I think can only, you cannot hide it. We saw with Botas, we saw with Mazepin, we're seeing it a little bit with Daniel Ricciardo until he won that race. Like, if you're worse than your teammate, you either make excuses, which it's obvious why you're doing that, or you just become a little bit of of a weirdo.
2: Yeah, I mean, so. a really unique part of Formula One. And with the first time you and I were talking about this on a pod like two years ago, was just the fact that you have both the, the team competition, like team versus team, but also driver versus driver within the team. It's both inter and itra conflict. And that's just so unique. And I don't, I, I can't really think of like another sport that builds it into how it's constructed. So that's really unique and makes for great television and for a really a really fun time. So I just, what a great show. I have one Thanks last so much for question. for having
0: me. I have one last yes? question. Assuming everyone who's not married, anyone who is married, take off the board. Okay. F one driver to the Bachelor. Who?
2: I mean, it's obviously Daniel. That okay. would just be
0: incredible. There's, okay. there's no. There's I mean, he no might. He, he might do it. He might do it knowing he has a girlfriend. She's a model. Marketing. He does.
2: He's yeah. He's a girlfriend. Um, but. He would be really, really, really good. I think my number two choice would be Carlos Sainz. First of all, Carlos Sainz's glow up over the last five years has been remarkable. And second of all, I want to nominate him for best hang in Formula One. I know people would say it would be Daniel, but Carlos's teammates love him. And in a sport, which we just explained, is meant for your, you to not like your teammate, he seems to be irresistible. He seems fun. And I, I just think that he, I, I feel like Sainz is underrated. I'm here for him.
0: He seems... Also, Signs seems to play every sport.
2: Yes, he does. I mean, talk about golf. That man loves to just pop a collar and play golf.
0: Wow. He could be on the Golf Netflix show.
2: Living... Yeah, living the life in, in Mallorca. I, I love Signs. I also love his family. I wish I would have gotten a little bit more Signs this season, but I understand why we didn't. It's
0: it's okay. We'll get there. We'll there. Julia Lemon, thank you for coming on the first episode of Pod to Survive. We'll be back... <laughs> early next week with two more episodes with uh with two of our friends you can probably guess who who one of them is notable f1 fan here at the ringer uh thank you so much and we'll see you next week